No, not in not <laughs> <laughs> public, no. no. We are we are almost podcasting. Almost. I know I'm absent minded sometimes, but <laughs> You're good, man. <laughs> All right, I, I did it. Uh, it might take her a second. I don't know. She's pretty good at getting back to me real quick. All right, I'm clicking go live. You ready? Ready, ready. I, I, if, I guess so. And uh, so we're cooking off our approximately two-minute delay between when we start recording and when it picks up the live stream and begins the broadcast because YouTube has been chopping off about the first three minutes of every video, which is super annoying. I'm not sure how to solve that problem. Have our little breaks at the beginning been helping? Yeah, uh, yeah, but it, we're still losing uh, 30 seconds or so. So I'm not sure how much time to cook off. I really don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But I, it's really what matters to me is what gets recorded and gets published on Anchor. And to me. And since you record locally and upload that manually, that's, that should be fine. Oh man, I look at Don, coffee. Is that coffee? Try tea. Oh, I want some coffee so bad, shit. You got me, you got me keeping the caffeine at a minimum. So I'm drinking. Roger that. Hey, listen, if Trisha's having audio issues this next time, Let's have her shut her video off. That might help her. Or dial in on the phone. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Because that last one was gruesome. Oh. So are we live on uh, Facebook and stuff now? Not yet. We're live on Facebook. We're not live on YouTube yet. I'm waiting. That's where we're. That's why we're we're missing time here. Ah, because we're not going live on YouTube for a little yes. bit. Yes. Okay. Yes. And our subscriptions are slowly ticking up, and our views are slowly ticking up. And Facebook, we had a lot of people watching, guys. It's good. Lots of shares too. So you should be proud of yourselves. You have a lot of eyes and ears on you. Oh, yeah. This is what I like to hear. Hello, Emily. Hello, Emily. I see you in the uh, I see you in the comments. Looks like we got five people watching so far. I'm standing. I can guarantee I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm not yet. Uh, I'm not yet. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and run. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and start the show, guys. If that's okay with you. Go ahead. All right. Welcome to the Four We Are Many podcast and live screen. It is now time for your show. You're hearing the sound of our voices right now. You have not accomplished room temperature and you are still exchanging oxygen. 
My name is Dean, and I'm the person whose voice you are hearing right now, and my pronouns are he, him, and we. Who's next, Rob? My name is Rob. I'm your co your host and comrade, your coast and homrad. No. <laughs> I am still exchanging carbon for oxygen, as I hope all of you are as well. Don, Austin, somebody. <laughs> Austin's still muted, so I'll go. Hi, everybody. Um, Don. Uh, crap, I normally say something here. Uh, I don't know. I, Don, good news, Hughes, blah, blah, blah. Cool to see everybody. We're doing a special broadcast today. This isn't our normal current events thing. This is uh, this is something different. I mean, it's still along the same lines, but yeah, it's a little different. Um, we are interviewing uh, Tina Olson of the Green Party. She should be here shortly. Right. Um, and we are talking, Dean has a pretty sizable COVID update. So basically yeah. today's show is going to be about COVID and left unity. Trisha says hello from the comments. Hello, Trisha. We are live on Facebook. Or on yes, YouTube. We are. Ah, we're live on YouTube. Hello, YouTube. And for those who are looking for the current event stream from last evening, it is now on YouTube. It is also now on um, podcast platforms. Oh, oh, great. Thank you. All right, mic test. Yeah, we hear you loud and clear. Hi, James. Hello from the comments. Hi, my name is Austin. Uh, the radical Patton. Uh, I will be running for Congress in 2024 under the Green Party uh, in Pennsylvania's 16th district. Uh, I think that's all I have to say. We already said Tina will be here soon, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll check and see if she's gotten it. Well, either way, I would assume we're probably going to start with Dean's uh, COVID section. Fine with me. All right. Well, first, I just wanted to take the usual minute to uh, plug our Patreon. Um, any size donation at all uh, helps. Um, with your support, we can help grow this thing. I mean, it's already happening, but we can do more. Uh, that's www.patreon.com slash 4 We also have a PayPal now, um, and the link for that is on the website at www.4wearemany.org. We have a special tier on Patreon for uh, Elon Musk. So, you know, Elon, if you're if you're listening, a hundred grand to go a long way, bud. Elon, Elon, buddy, buddy, pal, not friend of mine. We've never actually met. I don't know why I'm calling you all of these things, but listen, bro. Hundred thousand dollars would very much help. <laughs> 
That's just one month. 100,000 a month? Man. Oh, Brian Collins and the comrade, or in the, in the comrades. <laughs> in the comments. All right, did Emily tag Elon Musk? I think Emily tagged Elon Musk. Beautiful. Elon, bud, <laughs> pal, uh, not friend of mine. Listen, $100,000 go a long way. All right, Dean, do you want to take her into the COVID segment here? Yeah, give me just one second, if you don't mind. Uh, we can... Uh... I do like our banter. Uh, if we can banter just for a moment <laughs> while I uh, get some up. <laughs> yes, I get some stuff on the website real quick. Uh, we're uh, well, I'm just going to take a minute here to uh, plug our current article on the website. Um, Emily wrote a pretty great um, article on climate change. I'm going to put the link in the comments here in a minute yeah it, it's scholarly it's cited it's uh very well written correct all right i dropped that link in slack if somebody can put that over to on it All right, uh, get rid of some of these windows so it's not so crowded on my desktop and we'll begin. Uh, while I'm, uh, while we're talking here, I'm probably not gonna be in the comments, ladies and gentlemen, so I'll come, come on the conclusion of this. However, I will bring up, I will bring up a presentation that I have made for this auspicious occasion. Thank you for that, Rob. I saw that. Oh, the RSS feed? Yep. Yeah. The website's pumping the RSS feed, so every time you upload, it gets automatically grabbed. So, in multiple places, actually. So, indeed. And people are finding it. So, good yeah, yeah. I want to I wanna drop that in the comments as well, whoever yep. is. Thank able you. To. Yeah, that's what what Rob's going to give you is a link. You can use it with Spotify if you have on your phone. You can use it in your favorite podcast player if you have an iPhone or if you have a Google phone, and it will automatically load the show and subscribe you, and uh, you can listen to us as you get about the business of making the man his money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what better time to uh, listen to us then while you're getting paid right make sure you take a couple uh restroom breaks while you're at work too <laughs> absolutely absolutely we call those planned work slowdowns yeah <laughs> they can't deny you that like everything else they deny you and on amazon apparently yeah, don't forget your Bezos bottle. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, somebody fill me in, please. Bezo bottle? 
A Bezos bottle is the bottle that the line workers at Amazon warehouses pee in because they're not allowed to leave the line. Yep. I mean, I don't know that they call them Bezos bottles, but that's what we call them. (laughs) I I bet they do. I hope they do. (laughs) All right, uh, Rob, I know your uh, audio will continue, and I I applaud and congratulate you for that. I'm going to begin sharing. Go ahead. Turn the music down a little bit, though. Turn your music down a little bit. (laughs) My music's paused. Uh, you got fuck it. You got things to say today, Rob. We will take this out into the parking lot. What parking lot? I don't know. The one I have there. the parking lot, gentlemen. So. Oh yeah, Dean's got the parking lot. <laughs> oh man, what happened to my drink? Did I not bring it down here? I'll go get it. No worries. Yeah. Well. Make yourself comfortable. I want you, uh, I want you all to be comfortable, uh, because I'm going to bring you some uncomfortable information. So, many of you have noticed. You've probably seen the uh, vaccination efforts. Um, what I would call double down, and and they are. They've opened uh, in, in this state as as done, and maybe Rob has heard. They've opened vaccinations now down to basically anyone under sixteen, any sixteen yeah. and up. Uh, they're booking appointments and they're ramming people through as quickly as they possibly can. Um, typically, it depends on your health department, depends on the venue. Uh, could be Rite Aid, could be, you know, your corporate pharmacy, or it could be your local grocery store pharmacy. You know, you may get one of the three vaccines. It's kind of a coin toss as to which one you'll get. I'm going to explain to you why that's happening. Uh, And I want to be clear from the beginning. Uh, I am in favor of the vaccination. Some of you may not be. I trust that some of you, I will be able to change your view about that by the end, I hope, uh, because this is absolutely a matter of life and death. And I'll explain why. Rob didn't go through this, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Or Rob already went through this, so I'm going to go ahead and skip that. What I'm sharing with you right now is a scatter plot that kind of. Uh, it's a kind of, de- of a depiction of, of the type of variant that, and when it began. So all the way over here to December, we see just one little strain. And this is global, right? This isn't, this isn't specific to the US. This is a global aggregate. And you can see they begin to mutate. And this is normal behavior. This is not unusual or unexpected behavior. This is an evidence of a lab engineered virus. This is how every virus behaves. This is why the common cold, which is also a coronavirus, keeps itself relevant year after year after year and has been so successful. One of the reasons the common cold is so successful is it tends not to kill its host. The mortality rate for the common cold is very low. In, in many cases, it's, it's sometimes not measurable in certain age groups. It does kill people, if you can imagine it does. 
one of the reasons it's so successful, not only in reproducing and replicating itself, it's very efficient at mutating itself while not destroying its capability to persist. This is also a, a coronavirus, this COVID-19 disease, the, the coronavirus strain that causes COVID-19. And it has proved to be very adaptable rapidly and it's proved to be very resilient and it's mutated in a, in a very effective manner. As it mutates, unfortunately, it's, the disease's symptoms become worse, which is also a, believe it or not, it's also a replication mechanism of the virus. But the, uh, the mortality rate goes up. Now we're seeing the emergence of three strains, B117, B1351 and P1. B117 is the one that's got Europe basically on fire right now. And by the way, they are still for the large part in some countries on lockdown in part. They're still employing the same protective measures that we experienced in our country until basically summer last year. We came back when the uh, when the weather started getting cold and the virus made its surge, uh, we kind of, some places kind of reintroduced those restrictions uh, to the great consternation of the citizenry. And, and we all felt the effects, right? And they were real. You know, it wasn't just uh, a bunch of people that were mad about their freedoms or mad that this is a fake virus or mad about 5G or whatever. You know, it has a real effect. If you're, if you're in the restaurant business, you definitely suffered. If you, if you're in the, if you're in the, if you're anyone who's facing the public in any service capacity, be it medical or otherwise, you you suffered. So, I'm not not saying the lockdowns were good. I am saying they were necessary. The B one one seven variant that that is starting to become, we're at a tipping point. This is why we're seeing the vaccination sites open, why we're seeing the, the confusing bands, the confusing groups of vaccine, vaccine eligible people change is because we've got a very small window of time to get a very large amount of people vaccinated because right on the back of this UK variant, which is now very common, and again, we're, where we are, we will reach, I believe, in the next 60 days, a tipping point where it becomes the most common variant. Right behind it is the South African strain, and then behind it, the Brazilian strain. The Brazilian strain is the reason why, if you go and look at Brazilians, Brazil's case data, they are in a free fall. They are in a literal runaway regionalized epidemic. And that one's nasty. That one has, you know, and then and they're not really doing a very good job. Not, no surprise, Bolsonaro is a very uh, right-leaning, right almost fascist, if not completely fascist regime. He has behaved in, in astonishingly stupid manner, even worse than Trump, as it related to his country and their health and well-being so you this is common we've seen this around the globe the more conservative the more neo-fascist the more people die um 
you got Rand Paul right now running around Congress saying that he's only wearing a mask ceremonially. Who's had COVID, by the way? Anyway, the P1 is affecting kids down to six. If under six, it starts to trail away. But, you know, basically right smack in the middle of the school-aged children. And unlike the previous European variants from Spain, Italy, France, that we saw that was predominant, I'll back up a slide and I'll show you that one. This huge chunk of blue here, that is the that was the most common variant and it was very lethal to elderly people and it practically ignored people under say 30. It didn't ignore them, but it sometimes didn't even make them sick. That's why you said, that's why you have people who tested positive for antibodies, but they didn't know that sort of thing. I'm sure even some of you know people like that. We'll come back to that, what you, people that you may or may not know. This means that uh, the P1 variant being more virulent, being easier to transmit, more successfully transmitted, it's up to 60% more successfully transmitted. So is the UK variant, by the way. Um, that means you can literally be in the grocery store. Some person ahead of you, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, could sneeze in the peanut butter aisle and you walk through it, you will go home and get everybody in that damn, whole damn house sick. That's the difference with the European variants. It was very difficult for them to understand how it was transmitted because you could be positive for antibodies, you could be showing symptoms, you could be, you could be on a ventilator. And my God, if your wife who wasn't sitting wasn't sitting by you day after day during that didn't get sick at all. Well, the P1 virus, the whole damn family gets sick. So what happens is. Kids being almost as vulnerable now as the elderly were, bring it home, give it to mom and dad, mom and dad give it to grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa go to the morgue. So it is a problem. And that is the reason for the importance of this vaccine. If we do not get ahead of these three variants, I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm going on record, I've gone very publicly about this, if you've seen our website, you've seen that I've written a very lengthy article about this and illustrate my feelings, my viewpoint very carefully. We will see a third wave that will look, make what look like November to mid-February. It'll make that look very small. I, I believe we are facing the worst yet. If you want to survive this, you have two choices. You stay away from people people carry this disease or you become as vaccinated at the very first, and I mean throw yourself at the very first possible vaccine opportunity. As these three variants become more prevalent, your mortality rate increases and they will take over this country. They're beginning to now. It's too late to try to stop it. All we can do is vaccinate. That's why she's a, you know, a month ago, I didn't know what the hell we were going to do. Today, I got my Moderna shot. A year ago, I couldn't have predicted a vaccine by January, but we got it in January. I'm not sure I would have been so, frankly, excited to take a vaccine that had any of Trump's stink on it. Now I couldn't give a shit. 
if if it's offered. It's not it's not like Trump did the fucking work on the vaccine Correct. anyway. Correct. But I do believe that that's some people's trepidation. We'll I'll we'll break down vaccines in a moment. First, I wanna and and I do want to and and I I can share this data actually in in the article which I will once I'm done presenting I'll I'll go take to the comments. There's the data is there itself, so you can look the data up yourself. And the sources that I've used are there too, and they are scholarly sources. They are they are not news Newsmax articles. Uh, there's there's uh, been some difficulty. Uh, tracking the variants right now because we don't have the granularity. Well, we do. Uh, I'll explain to you. You know what, guys? <laughs> the the way that now they're testing for variants is they're testing city centers. They're going into the sewers and they're testing what emerges from the sewers. And that's how they're measuring the quantity uh, the of these variants because uh, we don't have the quite way we do, but it's not common to have that kind of resolution in the test to pick out the variants. Not not at most testing sites. It's it's, it's starting to change, right? It, obviously, viruses evolve and they evolve very rapidly, and we will have to try to match that as this changes. Bottom line: get the vaccine. This isn't going away, guys. I think we're going to live with this for the rest of our life. I mean, I, I don't disagree. We talked about that at least a month ago. But there was a significant possibility that this is going to be around forever, just like the flu. Correct. I think this will join join in uh, with the other flus, the, the four other most common flus that we, we deal with, and it'll we'll, we'll be vaccinated. You'll get, a, you'll get a coronavirus booster as you would uh, an avian flu booster at Rite Aid. Or whatever your local pharmacy is, CBS, Walgreens, and get it, and get all of them. You know what's weird is that that scares people, and to me, it's weird because I've had like every anthrax vaccine known to man. I've had so many vaccines that I'm just used to it. I, I accept that vaccines work, and I I get them. We are dealing with a population that predominantly doesn't believe there's even a virus. The thought of them taking any kind of vaccines unthinkable. The earth has already been salted by misinformation going back to June, whereby we were told that a virus had microchip or a vaccination had microchips in it and any number of uh, things. I understand that there are people who have concerns about the side effects, there are people that have concerns about the reports they've heard about anaphylaxia or, or a, an allergic reaction to the, to especially Moderna and, and Pfizer vaccinations. Um, I cannot, and I've looked, I mean, I really looked, I spent the better part of a day. I cannot correlate a single death to a vaccine. There's been plenty of allergic reactions, but those are treatable. I can't find a single person who's, who's kicked it because of the vaccine. There's been two deaths. They still can't tie it to the vaccine. I mean, it, 
when you're dealing with people, numbers in the millions, the odds of me throwing, uh, uh, oh God, that's a terrible analogy. Never mind. The odds of me drawing a winning ticket in a line. Honestly, I, it's you, you, you have a better chance of going out and pulling the hundred dollar, hundred thousand dollar Powerball than you do of croaking from the vaccine. It, it, it maybe or maybe the vaccine stressed them out. Maybe they. Maybe it was just their number was up. Maybe they were immunocompromised and they shouldn't have gotten that vaccine anyway. No, I. There's no way to draw that correlation. I would have been clear in the research that that oh. you know they did okay. autopsies on both people. People was a doctor. I just I hadn't read those studies, so I don't know. I was wrong, trying to play devil's advocate. No, I'm grateful, and I want people to challenge me. Um, because our listeners and our readers and their family members that they're speaking with are challenging. They, I, I have people in my messages right now telling me that this, that, that, that the science is the vaccines don't work, which is abjectly false. So I, I, I mean, are they taking anything less as a hundred percent as doesn't work? No vaccine. Perhaps, perhaps I'm not certain perhaps. And the vaccine isn't supposed to keep you from getting COVID. It's supposed to make the... It's supposed COVID... to keep you from getting seriously ill. Yes, Correct. Yes, it's you supposed to be boost your a... immune. Correct. You still have between a 5 and 25% of contracting the disease. And you can still carry it even if you don't have any symptoms. And people can't aren't realizing it. that. So can't carry it. The CDC has finally gone on record as saying that that is a low risk, but they weren't willing to dismiss it as a risk, which means it's a risk. So part of the reason that you, uh, your friends and your neighbors, especially those who are particularly uh, stubborn about this topic, feel the way they feel about it being a hoax or it's not real or it's overblown or it's a big bunch of hoo-ha. Part of the reason for that is twofold, I believe. Primarily, there are people who are just not capable of absorbing information. That's okay. There's some of us who aren't capable of walking. That's okay. We can take care of them. And there are some people who I think are scared and sometimes their fear response is to act like a jackass. And that's okay too. The problem is the ones that say, Name me one person who who's who who's died. And, and honestly, I bet you there's you know part of my colleagues here and those of you hearing me right now and in future, you may not know someone who's died, and I'll tell you why. Statistically, you have about a one in six hundred and sixty-four chance of knowing someone who's died. I don't know six hundred and sixty-four people. I mean, I kind of do, but not really. So therefore, it's not necessarily tangible to them. If they haven't, a lot of people, if they haven't processed it, they haven't had to bury a loved one or a friend or a family member, they, it, they just, it, it doesn't affect them. They can't, how can they, what action can I take? I'll wear a mask, fine. I'll, I'll wear a mask, my nose out of it. I'm doing, I'm following your rules. I mean, they, you know, so that leaves us, 
up to the individual, you, me, to number one, get the vaccine by any means necessary. I'm not saying be dishonest. I'm saying you don't have to. Most places, it's based on availability. It's coming. Be patient. In a week or two, I'm guessing everyone who's hearing my voice will be able to accomplish the vaccination. It, don't be afraid to travel to get it. It's worth it. If you can take the time off work, if you can take time off kids, I'm coming to kids in just a moment. It's worth it. Go get it. I'm not saying it's one, one less thing to worry about. You still have to worry about it. But it is literally the only way you're going to get out of this alive unless you do not hang around any people. If you're able to stay home and stay alone and not have any contact with human beings because all the evidence that I have, it seems to, seems to trend towards human beings spread this through the air. When we realized, and it took till May, when we realized it was an airborne disease, I was flabbergasted. Not only that we didn't realize that, I mean, they had us hand washing, they had us washing our <laughs> groceries off. I don't know if you remember that. You know, we had us fiddling around and doing it, but here's Tina, which is actually great timing because I'm, I'm, I'm on the home stretch. You got her? her in. Yeah, I let her in. Okay, great. We'll, we'll, come to, we'll come to that segment in just one moment. I'm wrapping up. I don't have any other, honestly, beyond this, I don't really have any other talking points. I'm going to share the article on the screen uh, as soon as I can get there. Hold on, folks. I'm going to share the article on the screen, uh, and you can see that on the website, we do have a stats counter. We have a, what I call a dashboard that you can view the stats. If you're a stats type person, if you need to know stats, or you haven't seen one in a while, we do have one for you. And the vast majority of what I've told you tonight is captured here, in, in, in including this fascinating scatter plot, which, by the way, I did neglect to point out, this is the Brazilian strain right here. This is the fearful one. This one is the one that we're most concerned about. When this guy gets among us, we will have another public health crisis. And by health crisis, I mean, I do, I personally believe, media reports will tell you we're on our third wave now. I, I do not believe we had our third wave. I think what happened in, in summertime when uh, we relaxed the restrictions and we, 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 we kind of let, you know, people were cooped up for a few months and they were kind of stir crazy. So that's when you saw the people at the beach and they were <laughs> crowded, you know, stuff like that. that. We had a spike in the summer. It wasn't a spike. It was kind of like a rise up and it held its ground. And then it kind of dropped a little bit and everybody went back to school. The moment, the moment the kids went back to school, we started right up that mountain until we hit 400,000 a day. 5,000 deaths a day. We had Thanksgiving, we had Christmas, we had the New Year's parties all in succession. I think that we will easily hit 600,000 cases a day if we cannot get enough. But even if we vaccinate a lot of people, I feel like there's really no way to avoid this. I don't mean to bring 
doom and sorrow and gloom, you know, but I'm telling you, if you look out your window, it's kind of dark here in Michigan, you're seeing sun, you're feeling warm temperatures, you've probably been out in your yard, maybe you've done a little yard work, definitely, definitely ditched the jacket once or twice. People are starting to feel optimistic. They're hearing the vaccines are there. They're starting to let their guards down. I've seen people did not bothering with the mask. So the municipalities, the governments, the states, they're opening up at the worst possible time, worst possible time to do so. As these three strains, which we have a great deal of concern about, become prevalent, uh, we're really virtually defenseless again. We will also, like Brazil, be in a runaway condition like we were in November, essentially. Uh, and lockdowns won't help because the analogy I use, and I, you know, uh, uh, my colleagues are all their eyes, but. Uh, the analogy I use about the efficacy of lockdowns is something like this. If you're walking in, say, Antarctica in your underwear, and it's about 20 below, and there's about a 30 or 40 degree wind, effectively making the wind chill 40 or 50 or 60 below zero, you're in trouble. You're walking, and it's a matter of time until you're overcome from exposure and, and die in the ice. You find a cabin, miracle, thank God. You go inside, there's food, there's firewood. You can make a fire, you can have some food, and thank God, now you're in lockdown. Eventually, <laughs> fortunately, your firewood's going to run out, and your food's going to run out, and you're going to have to go back out into the cold, because unfortunately, there's no clothing in the cabin in your underwear. That is literally what lockdown, open it up and lock it down. That It's absolutely useless because we don't know who has it. We don't know where it's coming from and we, cannot, we can no longer contain it. We were beyond the point of containment by the time we hit 500 cases in this country. And that's, gee, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. You know, I don't mean to, I maybe I'm wrong, right? Okay. Maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe we get enough vaccines in arms. Maybe we get 25, 30% of the population vaccinated. What does that leave? 240 million people. Just in the United States alone. I'm watching the cases climb in India too, by the way. And it is, it's not pretty there either. I mean, in India, we'll see a million. They're, they're, they are on their second wave. I think we'll see a million cases a day in India. They're one of the least vaccinated countries in the world. So I'm here to tell you the sun's out. You guys are wanting to head to the beach. You're going to the beach. You're finally going to the beach and the basket's packed with food and the kids are bouncing in the back seat, and you, and you, and you finally get to the beach and the sun's out and, and it's, and your feet are in the warm sand. And my God, it's been a year you've endured this. And you're finally enjoying, look, my God, I'm finally, I'm finally getting back to life. And here I come in a black overcoat, wearing black sunglasses and a black hat. And I walk up to you and I say, out there, about 500 miles is a hurricane. And it's coming here. You're, you're probably 
frankly, you probably want to knock my block off, and I wouldn't blame you a bit. But I'm telling you, there's a hurricane. It's about two two hundred miles right now out, and it's heading here. It's heading this way. Get your vaccine. Take cover. Avoid human beings who spread this disease. Who figure? Human beings spread this disease. Stay away from human beings if you're not vaccinated. If you cannot stay away from human beings, take every precaution that you can tolerate. You've made it this far. Try not to be overcome in the in this home stretch whereby hopefully you can get the vaccine. If you cannot get the vaccine, if you have your if your elderly family members, friends, neighbors haven't had the vaccine, then get on the phone like a maniac until you secure an appointment. So get in the car Ron and, said in the comments that leaves about fifty percent less than what is needed for herd immunity. Correct. Herd immunity, ladies and gentlemen, is best case scenario is about 64% immune. And I don't mean infected in him. I mean, in a, I mean, vaccinated and immune to a certain degree, not 100%, obviously, as we said. We will never hit herd immunity, even with vaccines. That's why I'm saying we will live with this disease for the rest of our lives. So... The vaccine is the only, if you're a logical person and you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth right now, you understand now, vaccine is the only logical pathway out of this. Unless you want to spend the, literally the rest of your days masked, crawling around in the grocery store like you're in a zombie movie, trying to not to make sudden movements and wake the zombies up, you need that vaccine. Because we're not going to hit herd immunity, and since the beginning of this thing, I, I you know, I, I've I've said this since since April. You are on your own. You are on your own. It's every person for themselves. I hate to say this because for we are many, but our leadership has failed us. They've decided that you don't need health care. They decided that you, they decided that you don't need money to support your family and feed yourselves. You didn't need your money. You are on your own. So accomplish that short of robbery, short of a gun, accomplish that vaccine, please. So and, and, uh, and uh, with that, I'm done. With that, I, 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 with that, I can close. I'm going to stop sharing now. Indeed. I was just gonna ask if we, uh, how much more you had. Good to go, man. All right, so I guess that's gonna bring us to our left unity segment for the day. <laughs> I didn't have the slide ready to go. I'm sorry. Come on, Rob. I, had I didn't no, have all I had mine no warning. <laughs> I didn't have all mine ready either. I had actually more information, but I, you know, honestly, everything's on the, on the website. So. All right. That's fair. Did you get the link to that in the, um, in yeah, the it's on the website. Yeah. And I'll go get the, I, I just stopped sharing. So I'll go put it in the comments. Yes. Ron said, thanks for the dissertation, Dean. Well done. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. It's not good news. It's bad news. But we've been living in bad news. It's news you can handle. And there's hope. There is salvation. 
All right, so as we brought up earlier, we have a guest today. Um, we're This will be our second guest ever, so, you know, making progress. Third. Third. I consider Austin, I consider Austin our first guest. <laughs> Austin just happens to keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, nope. I guess that never left, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I'm so glad. I have so much fun. So. All right, so uh, Tina, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, or? Sure. Hi, I'm Tina Olson. Um, I am the one of the co-chairs for the Green Party of Pennsylvania. I'm also on the um, GPUS media team. Um, so we're trying to put out some good stuff and get more people directed into the direction of voting for the Green Party over progressive Democrats for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but first, um, does that actually, um, who was that? Let me see, where are you? Dean, does that actually say Antifa is for lovers behind you? <laughs> 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 That's what I was cracking up about. That's cute as hell. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so from one topic to another, let's try to have a, a lighter topic in the end here. Am I right? I'm talking about COVID. And oh, you know, we've been cooking this update for about six weeks. I probably should have come forward sooner, but the vaccine wasn't as common or prevalent then. And I thought it would just cause undue fear. Right. Yeah, Pennsylvania isn't really doing that great with our vaccinations. We're still only, you know, barely getting to teachers, public teachers and our seniors. Um, my mother, she's almost 80. So she just finally got her shot last week. And I think that's ridiculous where they are wow. on that. The VA uh, called me. Uh, probably last month about getting my vaccine, but I told him I couldn't tra I couldn't travel from where I'm at in Michigan all the way down to Ann Arbor to get the vaccine, so I got to wait till one opens up at the VA up here. But Gene, um, Ferris State made it to where if I want to attend college there, I have to have my vaccine or I can't attend any classes. Oh, that's a whole parking lot issue right there. Yeah, I believe that you will have to have a visa to participate in many future functions. And that'll be your vaccine card. That's interesting that they're not doing that for public high schools or middle schools. I still have kids that are in high school and middle school and no one's saying anything about that. But I can oh. understand a little bit about having a, a boundary there. <laughs> I can too, right? That's 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 acceptable and uh Frankly, we uh, they haven't really cared whether the kids in high school got got the virus. They were more concerned about them playing basketball and football together. And, and then yeah. they take the thing home and kill grandma and grandpa. Right. Well, my kids have been home. They they actually <laughs> they're anarchists at heart. You know, so <laughs> about a month before uh, COVID broke out, I actually brought them out of school again to do cyber school, cyber school which is basically 
just kind of do stuff so that you can pass the grade that you're in because they're very interested in in very different things that aren't being taught in schools i don't know i'm, I'm i have a a nature um that that leans towards letting people learn from what they're interested in you know it's annoying though because we pay a lot of truancy fines that's for sure <laughs> i believe anyway. that's how it should be done though as you learn what you want to learn you know life skills instead of whatever they teach instead you in high school. of bullshit yeah yeah <laughs> definitely um there's actually um when you said about ann arbor um it's interesting uh i had a friend of mine we were starting a school a long time ago and uh it was based on a democratic school if you're familiar with that concept there's one in harrisburg called the circle school and basically students choose their subjects they choose what they want to do from very early on like first grade and so they're just being self-taught and and teaching themselves but why i mentioned ann arbor he was from ann arbor and he said that if I ever wanted to start a nonprofit, to just go to Ann Arbor and go into a coffee house and just yell out, I need to start a nonprofit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. If they would have had things like uh, virtual, like online schooling or a, a democratic school like you just talked about up here when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have joined the infantry at 17 probably would have actually graduated high school instead of just getting my GED. But I, I got to I, I got to grow up under no child left behind with dyslexia. So it was shove them in special ed and keep them going to school. Right on. It's that uh, no child left behind thing. It sounded like a good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, yeah, for sure. While, I thought, oh yeah, hell yeah! You know, <laughs> we got to get these kids on board and make sure everyone's learning at the same pace. And you know, I think it did take becoming a parent to notice how very different each kid learns. So, but. yeah, I I remember I was old enough to remember Bush actually talking about it on the news, and it seemed like to my very limited mind. It, probably like 11 years old that it seemed like a good idea mm -hmm. it just didn't go into practice like that it was completely bastardized too i mean it went from being such a good idea to have resources available to all schools especially um you know urban uh overwhelmed classrooms to uh probably more the right wing obviously coming in saying well if the teachers aren't doing their jobs then we're going to go ahead and cut their funding which is total bullshit so yeah yeah interesting yeah so the compromise was well we'll just somehow find a way to underfund public schools even more <laughs> that's not a compromise at all <laughs> correct So Tina, uh, Austin, do you want to kick things off or do you, uh, would you like you me to just run a few things? You can go first if you want. I, do, I just want to make sure you had enough time to prep. Um, um, you good? Bad at prepping, so. No worries, man. Just <laughs> go by the, yeah, I understand. So, so how did you come to, tell us your origin stories about becoming a green and how you um, kind of matriculated into the party and 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 what your experience has been today with that 
Okay, so um, in 2000, I voted for Ralph Nader. And, um, but then after that, like, you know, my, my oldest was maybe two years old. And this, I have four kids, so they're about two and a half years apart. So there's a decade in there that I don't even remember a lot, you know, because you're busy doing stuff. And, and, and that is an overall statement for people that are younger and have younger kids. It's like you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world because you're really busy changing a lot of diapers. So, um, so let's say a decade in there, towards the end of that decade was 2008. Um, so uh, I live in a small town in Pennsylvania. So uh, there's still Confederate flags in windows around here, you know? So yeah, I went I to canvas for Obama. I mean, that was hope and dreams right there, you know, changed the whole program. And that was an interesting experience. Um, going into another little small area where I was told to get off of their lawn because I was supporting Obama at the time. <laughs> you know, you can hear like, you know, um, the, you know, Dixieland in the background going on there, banjos, etc. And, um, but yeah, so I had a lot of hope for Obama and sticking with the Democratic Party because it was like, you know, the third party's really never gonna make it um, as a, a national party, you know, it's so hard to break the duopoly. And so I did a lot of volunteering for Democrats after that as well. Um, I actually tried to start a chapter of Move On, but kind of got out of that. Um, they sent oh, me a that's lot a of whole papers. show in and of itself right there, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So, but they sent me a ton of t-shirts that were awesome and I, I got to give them out. Um, and actually, you know, use them free stuff is my friend um and <laughs> <laughs> um i had some other experiences with that too i worked on some campaigns um i worked for our local um pen environment is a is a big place in pennsylvania also maybe you've heard of it but uh you know they they do a lot of uh lobbying so i worked for them they actually paid me 15 dollars an hour which is unheard of in pennsylvania because you know we're working with 725 still so i was like whoa shit <laughs> that's what that feels like you know yeah. rich yeah <laughs> so Anyways, on the, on the so getting, I'm, I'm sorry keep going um so then time out where on is the pen map on the pennsylvania map maybe it's backwards where, where are you i am 15 minutes away from new jersey Oh, all the way over there. Okay. Yeah, all the way over. Yep. Gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> yep. So, um, so then, uh, you know, 2020 started, and I was, <laughs> you guys are going to laugh. I liked uh, Elizabeth Warren a lot. So, um, I've tried to excuse this by saying that I felt like I identified with the sweaters that she wears. Like, I think that I just saw the sweaters and, and was all for it. Um, but then obviously started seeing some of the things that she was up to, which was terrible. I mean, I wish I was there on the, at that moment to say, no, don't, don't do the, you're not native American. Don't do that. Don't stop. Back it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just like, ah, oh. and then of course, you know, love Bernie forever. I, I, I'm really glad that he did so well. So when we got closer to the primaries, my vote was definitely for Bernie. Um, I actually finally registered as a Democrat to do the primary vote, but in Pennsylvania, it had already been decided by then. So it was just more of a protest against 
Joe Biden, which forever, this man, this person should not have ever gotten the nomination. I mean, as disgusted as I was with Donald Trump, I was disgusted with Joe Biden's nomination. You're among friends. You're among friends. You're among friends, for sure. You're among (laughs) friends, yes. I couldn't believe it. We always knew that he was like the counterweight to Obama. Like that was the way it was the foot into the conservative thing and the good old boy thing, white patriarch. You had to have Joe Biden there to even think that Obama was going to get, you know, have a chance at the presidential, um, you know, his campaigns. Or because the boomer progressives are still uh, all racists. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that, actually. I mean, I always knew that. Like, people that are just... People that are just a little bit older than me, like, I'd say, like, 10 years older. I'm 45. I'm not ashamed. And But people that are, like, 10 years older than me, like, it's still, like, the... We used to call them the sensitive ponytail guys, you know? They were just... They're, like, liberals, but they're assholes, too. So, you know, they were just as bad as some of the other people and really hasn't changed that much for them. In fact... I think as you get older, it's obvious you get a little bit crankier about things and have less hope. And so, anyways, the story goes. So then in August, um, I finally said, screw this. I'm going to go check out the Green Party. And um, I talked to our communications, the person on communications, and he's in his 70s. And he's totally cool. He's a co-lead. His name is Chris. And... I, I think he just inspired me. I was just like, you know, I am at a certain age now, not a horrible age, but at a certain age where it's like do or die on things. And like, it's time to really get started on all of the things that I thought, you know, growing up as, you know, being heavily in- influenced by like both like punk rock and anarchism, communism and things like that. Finally, we can see some of those things evolve and um, Green Party has been a place for me to feel accepted finally in those because when you're talking to some of the democrats that i would help you know they were just like what are you even talking about you know what are you some kind of commie come on yeah (laughs) kind of (laughs) like no it hasn't really worked out for a lot of people you know (laughs) anyway so talking to um that specific person and then meeting the other people that are involved in Green Party. And it is very, a low amount of people that are actually doing all of the work in the Green Party of Pennsylvania, at least. And, and then to discover that it's actually just a few hands that are doing everything at a national level too. So I was like, I have the time, I have the motivation. Um, I'm hoping to get some of those things done before I'm too old to care about it anymore. You know, like, I think universal health care is just ridiculous. You know, I've, I spoke about this 20 years ago, that it's so ridiculous when I when I didn't even have health care. Thankfully, I do have, you know, something now. But back then, it was, I had teeth that were abscessed. You know, I'm trying to, like, get teeth pulled, and my credit's all over the place. So you can't even go to, an, you know, the emergency room. They're just, like, they'll give you a prescription for an antibiotic, and hopefully something in the form of a painkiller. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. We have to get that done, at least. I mean, obviously. Just disgusting that Joe Biden says that he would veto anything to do with universal health care. 
Oh, yeah. he hates it. He hates it. Well, he's not going to make any money off of it, obviously. Did you guys, like, look at um, some of, you know, the whole stock market, the stonks that happened, like, a month ago? Oh, like, my God, yeah. Right. Okay. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I've, I've been, you know, I've been kind of nerdy about that stuff for a long time. And, but it made me go back into this whole, like, surgence of looking at, you know, um, stocks and seeing them rise with the conversation of politics is interesting. But when you go in and look at what medical insurance, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, and all that, and you're watching these dividends, and there's like, you know, partial stocks, ETFs, and things like that, like everyone would be sad, you know, who participates in the stock market if insurance was abolished. And I think that's really like been, uh, you know, a thing that I've realized we have to do first. We need to get rid of the insurance companies and, you know, give that like gap that's there so that the investors will be okay with that. And, you know, wall street, they're going to have to be on board with it too. So that's one of the first places to start is um, to make sure that we're not putting our retirement funds or people that are, you know, manipulating our politics have so much invested in insurance companies. Right. Big thing. You know, one That's thing I really, oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, my interrupting. No. One thing I really took away from the uh, the Wall Street bets thing was how cool it is that, that my generation has been so, um, oh, uh, you fucked. <laughs> Did he freeze? <laughs> mm, possibly. Possibly. That's well, okay, Tina. Um, you were on a good flow. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So, well, I, I do. I was totally. I was so mad that I was so broke that I couldn't participate in the song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. You know, that was my my whole uh, program a few years ago. Like, I I think that there's a lot to be said about cryptocurrency too. As if we're talking about, you know, we get into the conversation of. Um, mutual aid and subcultures. I think that uh, different currency um, is a whole conversation in itself, too. Correct. Um, right. Yeah, I'm 53. Similar experience. Lost, lost my 401k three times to the market. So, yeah. So why even bother at that point, man? I don't. <laughs> I, I figure we'll just work you know, being firmly Gen X, I assume that my uh, lot in life is to work till I drop dead. That's my retirement plan. I'm a millennial and I'm in the same boat, bro. Just yeah, saying. I was going to say it. Yeah, you're going to have to get another job at 65, from what I understand. <laughs> I'm a millennial. And I'm very grateful for for disability through the VA so I can pursue other things besides work. And that's really sad. I shouldn't be grateful for disability. Right. Oh, but I, you're, I, I'm grateful to be able to, to offset the personal and um, emotional sacrifice that you made on, on behalf of, you know, us. So I'm happy to see that, and I wish that I could see 
I would like to put people who are addicted to drugs on a UBI. I would like people who have, you know, you don't want me to be president, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, we're doing. We? Yeah, we do. Well, okay, then I will. Then the first thing I'll do is nationalize Google and Apple, and I will take 100% of their profit. Dean, 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 they're going to shut us down. <laughs> right. Yeah, we are using their networks and and uh, technical mechanisms, aren't we? All right, I'll shut up. So, Tina. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> back to you. <sighs> yeah, hey, I'm the grown up here. I'll, I'll take the heat. <laughs> um, but what you, what you said about the um, about uh, making those public. It just reminds me of like Andrea did have some good ideas and thoughts about that, about how we, we don't sell our information the way that we should. And even though it like, it gives me a headache to go into economics that much, but yeah, yeah. but it makes a lot of sense that we are contributing just by signing in to these websites or, you know, maintaining some sort of, cash flow for other people when it's our own names and and accounts and we should be getting some feedback for that so you know I was, sorry um I, I was just gonna say i was really looking forward to the possibility of either andrew yang or tulsi gabbard president this time around i thought that those two could have made some real change. It's really, I would be interested in seeing Tulsi run as an independent or under the Green Party or something other than the Democrats because they just kind of screwed her. She's yeah, we're not actually the- terrified me. Who, Tulsi? Yeah. Why did she, why did she terrify you? Are you, are you scared uh, of Mar- that death march in Iowa through the snow? Um, this, <laughs> the, 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 the multiple blow ups on her staff. Uh, due to shortcomings I, and failures. Uh, she's a serious person, man. I, I wasn't aware. I just know that she actively serves in the reserves and stepped down from her uh, her state Senate seat to uh, deploy to Afghanistan and Iraq a couple different times. And she seemed, at least as far as like a military standpoint, she seemed very against these regime change wars that we've been getting in. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene will storm Comet Pizza for your freedom. <laughs> so, Tina, quickly, um, in order to get kind of real level set. Sorry. All this, I, I'm just, a lot of thoughts came to mind. <laughs> um, I'm at 50% here, so because I want to highlight you, I want to highlight your, your story want to highlight your campaign. I want to highlight your experience with the Green Party. I want to highlight your experience with the left. And I also would like to try to gain some insight from you and your experience about unification because uh, I don't think the left has ever been more fractured. Yeah, and you would think that um being thrown into uh, a crisis over the past year with COVID that people would be more into unifying at at least a mutual aid level, you know? And I I guess what it is is that there, you know, we are taught so much. How much are we really taught about like what political parties are 
you know, in general, in school, we kind of have to do a whole self-discovery on that. And and the first things you're going to read is that, you know, the United States is a two-party system. And there's just no way around that, you know, the Verger's Law and all that crap. Um, so I think that, you know, that's a very, you know, defeatist thing. I think a lot of people that are on the left are still very hesitant to to move over. And then they see the Greens as a bunch of old hippies, which, you know, we got those too. But uh, <laughs> it's all good on that. Um, there's a lot of... Yeah, well, there, there's also, there's an argument between socialists and if the Green Party is socialist enough, you know. Yeah, so, uh, there's a huge schism, right? It's I'm a sorry? huge schism. It's a huge schism right now uh, the, the, between, the, between the DSA and the Greens. Um, uh, here in Michigan, I've tried to get them to the table and they both refuse. Arms crossed across their chest and no, you know. That's interesting. And, you know, that's, a, that's very, like, regional because... I know in Pennsylvania, we, we have good conversations with DSA people. Um, I think Pittsburgh, I've seen them actually endorse Greens out there, but they're super progressive out there from yeah, what I've yeah, Oh, yeah, they are. I agree with that. Yeah, I've seen a witness yeah. that, too. Same with Philly. Philly's good on that, too. Yeah, and Philly, uh, they have the Working Families Party, too. Um, they mostly... They, they don't have a ballot line in Pennsylvania, but they, they present themselves as a, a party, just like the DSA, but then they kind of just, you know, siphon you off to the Democrats anyways. Yeah, kind of. But I do like the idea of the Working Families Party very much. You know? But mm -hmm. I, I like you, I've, I've continued since, since 2000 to be drawn. Well, my first brush with the Greens was in the early 90s and, and then Nader and... You said Warren. Uh, I really wish you'd go take Nader's Nader's uh, business model and just go with that. I think she's a great consumer protective protectionist. Mm -hmm. I think she's got some good ideas. I just think that she's such a bald-faced capitalist that she can't help herself to mm -hmm. to continue to on that trajectory. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she anyway. can't she can't let go of it. <laughs> oh, no, it's she's never name. been broke enough. Well, I mean, I mean, I think to be fair, like... sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that, that people that understand, you know, capitalism in a way that we don't need it are people that have been that broke. And, and I'm included on that. Like, I've been so broke that capitalism is like, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I pretty yeah. much agree with that. And that's what I was going to say is like, a lot of people don't have a way to like imagine a world without capitalism. It's so ingrained in our culture at this point. And that's what we're fighting against. And we have whole communities in Flint, Michigan, and Gary, Indiana, and Gentrified, New Jersey, and Oakland, California, that they're not operating under capitalism at all, and they couldn't give a shit about any form of it. We have a friend outside of St. Louis that was living in a commune, anarchist yeah. commune kind of thing. Pretty badass stuff. <laughs> So but then you you know human nature is interesting too. I mean, we can say that we're at the capitalist, but you know it is still a, a survivalist mechanism to you know get something, anything in life over another person. I mean, it is in our nature to be survivalist. Well, and unfortunately, a good lot of us feel as though we can only we can only succeed at someone else's expense or demise. Yeah, I've seen that definitely. 
because we've we've raised ourselves with the notion of winning and and losing, and 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 all of the trappings of that uh, ideology, and it's one of the reasons I feel we've evolved at least a, a, a great percentage of this country has evolved into uh, sociopaths. Well, I think we teach hierarchy a lot. I think that has a lot That's to do with key. Like, it's critical. Yeah. Yep. Um, Agreed. Like what I've seen with the Green Party, um, you know, they have more of a horizontal structure. Like, and that's different. You know, when I'm on, I'm on the steering committee, so it's not like because I'm co-chair that my vote counts any more than anyone else's, or my voice is more important than anyone else's. And that's just a, a common theme, and it's it's welcome because, um, you know, in leadership roles, people take advantage of that, and and you don't even see that yourself becoming like that but you do you you know so i do like that structure another thing about the green party is the decentralization thing um like i said okay i live in lehigh um lehigh valley and that's two counties northampton and lehigh um in pennsylvania i live in northampton so i said to the people in the beginning i said you know what we don't have a lehigh valley party so um Maybe I'll try to start one. And they were like, well, that's exactly what you should do. <laughs> Go ahead. And I'm looking around like, I've been a green for five minutes and they're going to trust me starting up a whole county. And they were like, do it, you know? And and I thought that was really great. There was no, uh, no, no guardian at that. Like there was no, um, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Gatekeeper on that. I mean, they, they had listened to my ideas, my ideas were in line and they just trusted that I found my way. And I think that's great for democracy. Um, there was no arbiter of right and wrong or whether your message was on brand or. Well, I mean, I could, I knew that my message was on brand. I don't yeah. want to say that. I want to say that like, um, I didn't have to look like something. I didn't have to, Correct. you know, I didn't have to be wearing a suit and tie or, a, you know, I didn't have to have an experience. I didn't have to be a lawyer or <laughs> shit like that. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> like they they go with good hearts. And I, I think that's very different than my experience with uh, being with Democrats and trying to get anywhere with them. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it is uh, endlessly frustrating. How successful uh, have you been? in Pennsylvania with your local and regional seats and, and your acquisition. Uh, so we have, uh, okay, so we have um, quite a few people that have been elected to the judge of elections. Um, and I know that's like, you know, a very small position, but it actually is very meaningful because it keeps our ballot line. Um, I'm going to say in 2020, I get the numbers right in my head. Okay, so we had um, for our state runs, we had 80,000 votes for our top position of state treasurer. Um, they didn't win, but that's a lot of freaking votes, you know, yeah, for yeah, it is. yeah it really. So we kept our ballot line and um, and that's important too, because now that I'm learning, I am learning more about um, why that is important with the Department of State because they're right up our butts all the time. <laughs> I don't know if you know that the Greens were kicked off of the presidential, um, you know, Howie and Angela were kicked off of our ballots. They were on our ballots and then they removed them. They like yes. sent them out and then said they were void, null and void. Null and void. And yeah. Another version. And 
Um, so that, that, that uh, you know, Democrats, the Pennsylvania Democrats are always looking for a way to get us on a technicality. So that's politics, I, I, right? That's politics in a nutshell. It is politics, but do you know um, I, what I said to like some people, I, you know, it was like $12,000 just for one of the cases oh. that they brought against the Greens. That's a lot of money. Yep. I mean, Yep. How much money is wasted in litigation when it was literally just a clerical error? And that, that's what they're um, hoping for. They they want to bankrupt you. Right. They want right. you out of the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're not going down without a fight. I mean, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, well, that's uh, what we have to, like, it is it is very good to get people um, that can pay attention, have the attention span. I'm not one of them all the time. Um, to be able to read all of that fine print in there and go over it and talk about what that actually means because then you won't be there at the 11th hour and losing access and feeling like an asshole, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah. All right. of a sudden, you didn't do one little thing right. Yeah, um, I was pretty disappointed that they got Couldn't yeah. go for them, you know? Well, we did write them in, but who knows? They're never going to well, yeah, get that probably. Like, no. you know, <laughs> um, Actually, someone said, you know, we'll get that that tally of how many write-ins Howie got as soon as we get how many tallies Mickey Mouse got. I mean, it's just that bad, you know, in comparison. It, when you do a write-in campaign in Pennsylvania, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I think it pretty much sends your ballot to the shredder. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's a protest. Yep, <laughs> and I, got I hear to, you. You know, we had down ballots for state, like I said, state treasurer, um, and then two other positions that just left my brain um so down ballots for uh greens were important um, always and your question back to your question um would you have uh more people running this year they're just we just did some endorsements we have another judge of election happening in nice. mckeon county and um then we have connor mulvaney uh, he's he's going for city council in pittsburgh and i think he's going to have a real shot at this because it is progressive out there um, and I think that he's very popular. He's very, you know, articulate. He knows what yeah. he's talking about and pretty inspiring. So, and that's a, you know, an off year, 2021, we don't get a lot of voters out there. And that's something that isn't really ingrained into us in school either, is that we always think about them just the, every four years. And maybe we've heard a little bit more about every two years, but every single year you have a chance at getting someone in office. I don't know. I personally, I ran, I ran, a, a, I, like I said, I live in a small town. So I ran for a couple of positions in the borough hall here, but um, they're literally related to each other. Like everyone on the, <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, I was going to say that's a tough cabal <laughs> to break into, I suspect. Yeah. Um, How about so your membership though? I mean, in contrast to the seats, right. And, 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 and acquiring, uh, acquiring seats. How about your, have have you i know in michigan they they, they have tried some outreach uh, particularly after the after bernie got flushed um there was uh, uh, quite a few disaffected dsa folks um the have you have you seen an increase in participation since then in your place um uh, there was well then uh, i think that a lot of we saw a little bit of increase First okay. of all, but yeah. I think that we might have seen more if it wasn't for the movement for the People's Party because a lot of people just yeah. like, oh my god, 
and um, I have a lot of mixed feelings on that. But you know, hey, I do too. Better, yeah. But um, we are seeing now that some people are getting pissed off about them, they're coming in. So we're seeing another resurgence in that. So that's good. We have a we have new members coming in, and the thing that is hard to do is retaining membership for me at least because. Um, I stay so busy with everything that I'm doing that it's it's hard for me to always go back and say, oh yeah, I know you were interested, you signed up, and you know I just don't have the time. And like I said, we just need more people that can do those communications and keep up with people. Um, for myself, right. I kept I kept going at it. Like I just kept you know saying, oh okay, well this meeting is this day. Da 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 da. I was right up their butts about it. So. <laughs> But some people are a little bit more laid back, and and that's totally cool. But then they might just fall off of, you know, or, or lose the opportunity to get involved more, if you know what I mean. Like you have to be a little bit more aggressive, I think. I do. And, I, I, and I, I want to just stop for just a moment because we have some, we have some questions in the uh, comments, and and I wanted to give them a, a moment because I came. I'm kind of monopolizing our time, and, and I apologize for that. Oh, uh, well, I'll just go for it. Um, uh, if someone is thinking about uh, running for office for the Green Party, how do you suggest they get started? I mean, it, regardless of the of the location, right? How how's what is the best pathway to, to contact a, a regional uh, green green leader? Well, that really definitely depends on which state you're in. Um, what I would say is to go ahead and look up your state from the GPUS website. You can go right to the state. Um, and then your state should have a website that will break it down to counties. If you want to run for, let's say, a county office or for your, your town or your city, um, you're going to want to contact your county first. If yeah. there is no county, and that's that's we have a lot of counties in Pennsylvania that don't have um, an active chapter, um, then you contact your state and then they will be able to help you. If by chance your state isn't very active, then I would say go ahead and start asking people at GPUS about what to do at that point. Um, and like, that's what I said, it's very, it really, you know, wherever you are, it's going to be a little bit different. Which, which mirrors your experience on your own, uh, you know, going back nearly 20 years, right? You, oh, yeah. you created your market. Right on. We have one more comment and, and, uh, then I think, uh, some finally let some other folks ask questions. Sorry. Um, James asks back to the, back to the basically deleting Howie, um, and, and others from the ballots. How can they? How can they? Uh, how can they allow these candidates to advertise themselves and then remove them? So you can't pick them. How how is that even legal? <laughs> That's a really good question. But um, so just like uh, well, for the state of Pennsylvania and every state, I want to reiterate that every state is different. Every you know law on getting a presidential candidate onto your ballot. Um, is completely different. There's no fluidity in that whatsoever. I'm saying that because it's so annoying at the same time. But yeah. for Pennsylvania, um, 
they somehow were able to make it look like this clerical error was so bad that Angela wasn't allowed on the ballot. And without Angela on the ballot, they couldn't have Howie on the ballot. So it was, um, it was very intentional. I mean, first of all, they should have, they should have just accepted that that was already accepted in most counties. You know, they were on the ballots in, I think it was Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yeah. um, uh, and maybe another one out there too. But um, it was already accepted. And then they came back the final time and said, no, we're just going to remove that because of yeah. this minuscule little thing. Um, but it did, you know, as huh, those growing experiences is that, like I said before, about getting into the fine print on things. It's, if you can have one person that is really, really into reading legalese and going line by line and saying, check, 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 you know, they also had us, uh, and I wasn't, I, w I had just joined the party, but they had us recounting um, the signatures too, twice, to get our candidates pulled off. Um, and that's a whole process of where you have to have one Democrat, one Green, and right. you have to go over every signature um, line by line during a work week. You know, people in the Green Party have real jobs too, <laughs> so they'd have to sit there and do that and that was sleep in order to, to conduct that yeah um, or i think it was or miss work yeah well i think they had to do some missing work and that sucks so yeah, yeah. oh yeah. so james the straight answer is it is politic shit bag fuckery is what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah Wait, I think that's in my file. It's under that. Like <laughs> <laughs> <Shag> buggery. <laughs> um, if it's okay, I have two questions that I have written written down that I wanted to ask. Um, is that okay with the group that I go real quick? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, first and foremost, my my concern has been since I was old enough to think for myself. Um, since I was in the army, uh, my concern has always been, um, foreign relations and relations between the, the government and the military arm of the government. What is the green party's stance on things like regime change wars, how we can better use our troops instead of getting involved in things like that? Um, just. I, I don't really know much about the Green Party's um, foreign policy or stance on the military in general. I've always, since I was old enough to vote, voted Green Party because the other two options are shit. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, so um, um, one of, like, uh, we have uh, four pillars and ten keys, and part of that is nonviolence. And nonviolence isn't the same as, you know, just taking shit. Nonviolence is a whole thing of well, that's our, our 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 main focus and purpose is to say that we don't need any more wars. We can work it out um, in different ways. So very anti-nuclear um, and um, 
you know, for war purposes. Some people are getting a little bit more friendly with nuclear energy. I'm not a big fan of nuclear energy, but I, I think there are better options besides that. Right. But <laughs> well, we have. I mean, you can see a mix of people that have different ideas about it because nuclear is clean. But in my opinion, and a lot of people in the Green Party um, don't like nuclear at all. It just sets up a precedence, you know. <laughs> so interfering with um, foreign governments. Um, you know, it's pretty a, a non-starter unless we're working um, from a peaceful, peaceful perspective. Um, some of the ideas that I saw with Howie um, uh, when he was running, I, I found to be interesting about the military. You know, it goes back to um, having public jobs, a federal uh, work program. And I think that a lot of people like maybe this had something to do with why you joined too is that that was your way into a better situation. Um, uh, a, lot of, or a lot of people assume that, and I, I, I hate to be this guy, but quite honestly, you know when little kids see like firefighters and cops and things like that, and they're like, oh, I want to do that job. As soon as I knew that being in the infantry and fighting bad guys was the thing I could do, I just wanted to do it. That That's I just who that. I am. <laughs> um, and... and I mean, I understand where everyone else is coming from. I I just, I, I've seen a lot of very evil people. So I, I know that, I, I also understand that, like, there is at times going to be the need to, like, defend ourselves. Not yeah. always are we going to be able to, not everyone wants to listen to the peaceful solution. Sure. Um, well, so that, that, that might surprise you. It might surprise you that I haven't seen a lot of Greens that are, you know, they, um, and I personally feel like 2A issues, guns, um, should be hyper-local. I mean, you know, we shouldn't have federal bans on things. I think that, like, our towns, our boroughs, our counties even, are the best places to make those restrictions. Um, you know, like I said, I live in small town Pennsylvania. Like, there are deer hanging up in people's backyards <laughs> at a yeah, certain time yeah. of year. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know that's the way it is but um i hear you about you know wanting to do the right thing and um you know totally appreciate that i have family that was in the military too and you know my first pair of combat boots was my aunt she handed them down to me from desert storms so. <laughs> um my yeah. second question was and i've noticed this a lot um i've noticed it since since um, Bush Jr. ran against Al Gore, we're, we're constantly playing this game of my team versus their team, um, red versus blue, just lesser of two evils bullshit. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like either of the two want to work with the other. Um, how, how does the Green Party hope to... Uh, work in a nonpartisan way because um, without without people actually working together and, and this is I, I could go on about this I, I saw a couple interviews where former members of Congress talked about how being in Congress actually is the Democratic National Convention is 
a different entity from the separate congressmen and women that are elected and how they use their campaign money to basically bully people into do what, doing what they want. Um, how would the Green Party try to change any of that? Wait, you're talking um, like U.S. Congress at a, at a yeah, national yeah, level? Like, yeah, or... like a national level. Right. So um, what you said about um, using funding um, in your party in order to get on those committees, um, you need to be raising a certain amount of money. And I think Justin Amish, um, he came out and said some stuff about this. And I was just like, that's what the problem is right there. I mean, unless you're raising money and kicking it back into the DNC, you're not going to get on those committees to actually do the legislation. So you've got to be kissing ass from one you know, day one. Um, and I think that's a problem. So how the Green Party... Oh, it's the same for the Republicans, too. Oh, yeah. That yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have to be collecting money and, and you pay your way to get into those positions. Um, so the Green Party comes in in the third way, you know, like uh, almost as a mediator because we have no skin in those games. Like we would make our own committees. Um, and since we absolutely oppose any kind of large donations or hierarchy like that, then um, we, I think that we would come in nicely as um, the mediators in, in those situations and, and, you know, maybe be the grownups in the room a lot of times. <laughs> like uh, we got to get would, something done in this, in this direction. That would be refreshing because I've heard stories. Um, I was listening to an interview with uh, Tulsi Gabbard the other day where she's talking about how she was told by the Democratic National Convention um, by one of their like peons that they had go talk to her um, that she couldn't speak out against uh, President Obama wanting to bomb Syria, but she, which is why she publicly spoke out against it because she got told so many times, don't do it. Right. private but um <clears throat> it's it's things like that i i it was really eye-opening to see how multifaceted some of the problems with the way our current government runs is yeah um, definitely i mean we we went through the whole thing where people were talking about force the vote and i i um i actually agreed with just doing that as an activist. I mean, why wouldn't you pull those punches? And but then you see where AOC was coming in, and it's like, well, if I go up against her now, I'm going to be screwed on any other kind of writing. And, and that's where you know being independent of those parties can really um, you know make a difference. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had that thought. It's actually good. And and altogether for third parties, I think that having um, an executive position such as like, I'm uh, thinking about, you know, I'm running for governor. Um, having that executive position takes you out of that whole conversation because you're not trying to get a committee. You're sort of in charge of your own committee. Um, and so I think that that would be my advice. What I've heard other people say would be good. Mayors, um, governorships, you know, those kind of things. Sheriffs are actually, you know, very powerful in another direction, but also at an executive level. Very. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've considered running for sheriff in my county because it always seems to be between the uh, the same two guys. But last time I was going to run for office, I'll be honest, I, I was going to run under the Bull Moose Party. 
because why not? I, I didn't know much about it at the time. It's not still a party. I think maybe in California it is, but. Right, I thought that was, uh, I, I know there was an old Blue Moose party, but then the people for Jesse Ventura, they were yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it makes sense. Hey, you know, um, I, it was funny. We're talking about like having different parties and everything. My oldest is 22 now. He registered as a libertarian when he was 18. Oh, um, no. And, no, but my two oldest now, uh, you know, my next one down is going to be 19 next week. And then now they're both registered Republicans. So, <laughs> which is yeah, crazy. Right? Where do we go wrong? No, no, they're still rebelling. That's <laughs> it. Right? I've seen the same behavior. Seen right, the same those, behavior. Do you have time to talk about questions. my? Uh, do you have time to talk about our our, our Lord and Savior and Rand? <laughs> You're joking, right? Yeah, one hundred percent, right? Oh, because Neil, because honestly, right, there was a time when you and I were younger, that the Libertarian Party was, you know, I, I, this deserves a story um, quick. I'll be, I'll be quick. So I was around 94, I think it was. And uh, Howard Stern in New York, you're close to New York, so you might even remember this. Howard Stern ran for governor of New York on a Libertarian ticket. And obviously he has the listenership and, you know, he said some provocative and probably hilarious things or whatever. Right. And uh, I just was kind of painting in my house at that time I was living in and I had a C-SPAN on and they were covering the Libertarian Party convention in New York and people, it was open mic time. Right. And all this was when Libertarian Party was mostly just little old men with, with bow ties and they were very, they're were, they were all economists you know they weren't the they weren't the they weren't wearing uh neo-nazi skin suits like they do now they they were academics you know and here's these guys and they get up and they talk about economic policy and responsibility and this and that and the other thing and here comes this guy and he comes up to the podium and he goes into his little windbreaker and he pulls out a sex toy basically out of his jacket it's open mic and he waves it around and he goes i got a dildo i got a dildo <laughs> and he's he's flailing this thing in the air and he turns around and walks off stage and i realized that was the moment there was a paradigm shift in politics <laughs> we can we can get it was unbelievable and and it took years for me to realize that something happened in the brains of older white men mostly something broke in their brains and fast forward to trump what else could have happened you know honestly what what else could have happened but anyway i digress i'm and i want to give austin who was so kind to reach out to you and and find you and and he's a he's a he's a he's a fellow party member and a hard-working candidate himself and i want to give him the opportunity to to speak to you and and see if he can elicit some what has been to date really great conversation with you. Yeah, I agree. With you. Uh, you answered one of my questions that I had, and that was, uh, why did you decide that you wanted to run for governor instead of any other position? So is that why was because of you could be 
on the head of your own committee, basically? Um, yeah, the other thing is that some of the governor powers are amazing for prison reform. So, you know, getting people out of prison, uh, you know, pardons, um, you have your own committee. Um, I think that, that that's uh, a really important thing for a third party, like Green Party, to get because we would be very good about getting people out of jail for drug crimes, um, believe in decriminalization of all um all drugs, but specifically in Pennsylvania happening right now, there's a lot of legislation for cannabis. And I just see that there's going to be a backlog of, oh, well, you know, they got put into prison in 95, but they did this and that. You know, I'm going to be the person that says, you know, that's why they did that. They've been in prison for freaking 30 years for pot. Yeah. yeah. So that and um, uh, looking at some of the influences from the Green Party. Um, Paul Glover is an amazing whole topic and he ran for governor a few times from Pennsylvania. Um, and he wrote books about um, what we're called Ithaca dollars. And it's a, a totally um, different currency system that, uh, oh, you are, okay, good, yeah, very yeah. good. So yeah, so he ran for governor and I'm familiar with that system and using, you know, different forms of of uh, currency to make sure that we have healthcare and especially in this interim of where we can't get it on our state to have single payer or M4A. Um, so in that time, in, in my counties here, we actually have two health clinics that run off of time dollars or Ithaca dollars. Like the, the idea is to, you share some of your skills and then you'll be able to go see a doctor or take your kids and get their vaccines. Um, so it's pretty cool stuff. <laughs> kind of like a bartering system, I guess, right? It is a bartering system, yeah. But it, it is, um, you keep a, a ledger. So, you know, it is a, a whole process. And I found out about that from some uh, doctor. Some doctors uh, were doing that in Allentown, Pennsylvania. They were putting together a free clinic there for, you know, the underserved um, population. Oh, that's a great thing. See, I didn't. Yeah, totally. Cool. I, haven't, I haven't followed up on anything like that, but I mean, yeah, digging into that, like you can get into a lot of stuff. Um, there's some great people, and that's why I say that when I'm running for governor, like there are some people, like Paul Glover. Um, I know he's not going to be running, but we have some other people who have done some really amazing thing and things in the background um, in Pennsylvania. So I hope they step up to 2022. We have a senator position you know, to fill. And I'd like to see, you know, someone in that position trying to run for that and, you know, everything else. It's, you know, our, our local. I've only, I've only heard of the Democrat that is running for that position so far, but I definitely do. Oh, for Senate? Yeah, for Senate. But, uh, I have I, a name. I, I'm not going to reveal it, <laughs> but I have a name and who would be amazing to run for the Green Party. Um, it's someone who's run before. I'll let you know later okay maybe maybe if you come back again we we can have you back again maybe you yeah. can reveal that yeah <laughs> a teaser uh how do you i mean i know the green party is all for legalization of marijuana and uh, uh i don't know necessarily if it's a, a decriminalizing everything like oregon is trying to do right now but uh what is your stance on that 
Um, okay, so I am actually um, a recovering addict, and I believe in 100% decriminalization. Um, it's really the only way to handle it. I've been to rehab twice, so from a very personal perspective, um, we need to put people who are having a hard time with those mental health issues in the proper place, and that certainly isn't jail. Um, well said. Well said. Treat it as a health problem, not a criminal problem right yeah definitely but i did it was interesting um more on cannabis is i did write an article just uh this past week you'll you'll see it published soon but um we are we're participating in cannabis fest on the east of pennsylvania here which is going to be a lot of fun i know some people coming out from oh so you're you're on the west side right yeah, you're all the way out yeah, yeah. by Ohio, so no, maybe you can caravan or something come out our way for Cannabis Fest, but that should be a lot of fun. A lot of greens are coming to that. That would be nice. I guess what I, else I want to ask you is, uh, I really don't know. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, do you feel like all right, what do you feel like we could do to get to the 5 or 15% that the Greens need to either be on stage or have, uh, you know, funding from, you know, federal-wise, you know? Oh, for presidential? Yeah, um, well, for president. For 2024. Okay. So <laughs> there is a lot of work to be done. First of all, one thought I had recently is that we need to look at like the FEC rulings, like when uh, the FEC, FEC first, you know, took over the uh, or mandated the use of airwaves. There is a portion that's supposed to be um, devoted to government use. And I think that we need to uh, find out more about that so that we can say, hey, you know what? This is politics. This is about our government. You can't do this immediate media block on us just for a percentage because the ones, the main, um, the main TV stations for the debates, um, you know, they're private companies, but they still have to follow the rules of the FEC of providing a certain percentage for government programming. Um, in that way, um, you might see something public broadcasting system as well. Um, they really should have let our people on the debate stage. And I have no idea how they can, you know, look at themselves in the morning. They should be ashamed of themselves. PBS <laughs> needs to do better. Come on. <laughs> but, um, well, we so know they're not totally on that are larger, but also, um, Figuring out, like at a at a national level, of you know, what do we expect in each state? What are how do we hit all of those markers in the various laws? That's a huge problem too, because of how different each state is for a presidential election. We need a little bit more unity, a little bit more knowledge on that, a little bit more devotion from volunteers to make sure that we hit um, those ballots on each state. You know, I think. Uh, we did get a lot done uh, for 2020, but it wasn't enough to say that they would be able to get onto that debate stage, unfortunately. Yeah. 
I mean, I wish they could have. And I, I mean, I seen a better opportunity when Jill was running. You know, a little more people were hyped about Jill than they were about Howie. But I think that the pandemic is something that really put Howie down because Howie, like Rob said, uh, Howie's a really good speaker as long as he's in front of people. Uh, but he seems a little dry when he's behind a camera because he doesn't he doesn't have those people to feed on, you know. Right, so. right. Well, not only that though, but the 2020 election was essentially a referendum on Trump. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would, people were people were rightfully freaked out by him. Honestly, you know, like Donald Trump was that terrible <laughs> altogether. I I've seen a lot of leftists also say that you know, I, I would have rather Trump won. The Democrats would have taken that big hit that they should. I mean, be, just because, you know, I, the Democrat Party, I believe, needs to fall uh, a little more before, you know, even the Greens or, you know, the People's Party or another third party can actually be, a left third party can be brought up, you know. But I, I mean, I I think we do have our work ahead of us. And I, I think it's going to be hard, but I think as long as people become active and uh, actually try, and, and it's not even statewide, try in your own community like you did, you know, you made your own chapter. So, I mean, my That's next what question. It takes, bottom yeah. up organizing. Yeah. Right. And I mean, don't just run for, you know, run for school board or like you said, sheriff, mayor, you know, smaller positions. Oh, we do community. have. Yeah, it does remind me, um, right next to my county is Bucks County, and one of our most active Greens all over the place, but he's on the school board as a Green Party member, and that is a great position to get involved in. Um, that's a good reminder that those positions come up every year, you know, how they balance it, but getting involved in your school board in general, it's, you know, a good place to learn how that process works, too, anywhere that you can go to a public meeting. Um, you know, that is something to be said too, is that just knowing uh, how the formalities are for running a meeting like that and and what you need to do, very good practice. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. town council meetings, I've been to a few, you know, here in Greenville. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I go in there and uh, I see three people maybe in the mm -hmm. whole meeting and it's, it's kind of discouraging, you know, to just see that many people want to, you know, maybe push their community in a certain way. And mm -hmm. it's usually an, an older crowd, a wealthier crowd, you know. So, I they mean, put there to protect their money. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> they have a vested interest. But, you know, um, like at our level, and maybe it's the same for you guys too, but um, our mayor is actually directly in charge of our police department so um, if you're having problems with your specific police department getting into those meetings is actually you know uh, a really good idea in general yeah it's not that hard either no you right it's in. Not. yeah you can go right in as long as uh i don't know about the whole mask wearing because ours have ours right. in a, like a small building so they were only allowing so many people in Okay. So, I think we were doing virtual, um, but uh, I used to go every week because it's like right down the street from me, um, or once 
twice a month, something like that. I know it's always over there. Um, they get a little bit boring after a while. Like it's really hard to just hear people talk about way, where they should put their fence in their backyard, that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, oh, yeah. it's really right. dry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I need advice from where I should hang my clan flag from my local city council. <laughs> they have a lot to say about that. Yeah. So on another note, I do want to bring up that one of our co-hosts who was not able to be with us this evening, she uh, wanted to one extend her her gratitude for your presence. You know, we're all in awe of you as a person, as a learned politician, as a citizen of the planet and and that she would hope that you would would be able to return her name's trish and i hope you get to meet her oh awesome well thank you very much sorry trish shouts out to trish <laughs> trish hi trish <laughs> i'd definitely come back sure i'll shoot the shit anytime <laughs> well you you sent me a message the other day that you said that uh you talked to uh, I can't remember exactly whom about our podcast. Who was it that you? Um, Chris, he's in charge of, uh, Chris Robinson, in charge of our communications. Like we're both co-leads co on the communication team. And um, he, he knew some people out there that would be interested too. So okay. definitely, um, you know, anyone that you want to talk to, if you can't get a hold of them, you know, as far as PA Greens, I I can get a hold of them. <laughs> Roger that. Yeah. Now, are, I got a, a couple more questions. Uh, how are you able, are you, are you funding our, your own campaign, I'm guessing? Mm -hmm. And uh, do you have like a PayPal or something that people could get a hold of you and, you know, donate to you? All right. So this is a little bit of a story. <laughs> um, when I first said, oh, I'm going to be doing 2022, I want to run for governor. That's my whole thing. Um, at the same time, some of the leadership in the Green Party of Pennsylvania had to step down for various reasons. Like no time, the other person moved to the other side of the country. Um, so these positions came up really fast and um, I was elected as co-chair. And I know that there aren't any specific ethical rules involved in combining being on the steering committee and also running a campaign that big, but I feel um, that I'm going to serve this year. It's just a, it's a second half of a two year term. So I'm going to serve this year on the steering committee. And then we're going to be talking about that at the end of 2021 and into 2022 when someone else takes that position. So, I mean, it is a little bit of a hindrance because I do need a good start, but what I'm doing right now is trying to build up more counties, which in the long run for a, a race for governor um, is going to, you know, give me an advantage. This will get your name out too. I mean, mm -hmm. even if yep. you, you know, can't get that much funding, but it will still get you. Right. That's what I figured when I, you know, running for Congress. Look at me, 36 running for Congress. <laughs> you know, right. But I just want to, we got to show people that, you know, you can do that. You know, you can right. run. And even if you don't win, at least you're building momentum for the things that we believe. Which brings right. me to my next question. Uh, as in the Green Party, their policies do you align completely with them with 
there be things you would want to change or things that, you know, you don't like or? Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, reading the platform, that it does leave a, uh, leave a lot to be interpreted. Um, you know, while I'm, you know, uh, gaining momentum in running for governor, I would definitely have to tweak some certain things. One thing that came to mind um, is that since, uh, you know, we all talk about the Green New Deal and then there is a little bit, you know, there is a difference between the eco-socialist uh, Green New Deal that is specifically more Howie oriented. Um, how to bring that to a local level, but even just to a state level of knocking out, there might be some differences what I'm saying is that when you get down to specifics on how to actually implement things, um, there might be some instances that would stray a little bit away from what's been written. Like it's not a Bible, <laughs> you know? And I don't feel like I would personally be, um, I, I can't be confined to being just a puppet too, so. Um, there, there will be differences, and I don't think that um, I would stray that far, but I would definitely, I know in advance that there are going to be things that are going to be just slightly different just for Pennsylvania, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean. I think he wrote that from the perspective of New York, too. So we do have similar economies, but there are definitely differences from New York State to Pennsylvania and even to, you know, Michigan, California. We do have to take it you know, with what our, our land provides us, we have to look at what our, you know, industries are already. Yeah. I'm, it's like a guideline more than like right. set in stone. I mean, it can be pushed yeah. this way or that way, as long as you are sort of on the same path as them. Yeah, and I think that's what, what's been acceptable. Um, you know, as long as you aren't, you know, going out there and, and hating on a specific group of people, things like that, then, you know, like you said, it is a little bit more open to uh, flexibility that way. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. <laughs> well, I am, uh, I'm a little more radical than the Green Party, but I'm sure, you know, I'll, I'll be, my ideas will be accepted. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At least I hope right. So. Right. Hey, you know, um, you know, like uh, I always think about it is that we will have to, you know, confront people that are completely on the opposite side when we're writing legislation and things like that. So the further to the left, in my opinion, you are, the better, because then you're just not going to, you know, get inched over onto that, you know, right plane at yeah. some point. <laughs> so it's good you're coming in from the far left. <laughs> Unlike the Democrats, but, you know. <laughs> right, right. Uh Oh, they're like, uh, you know, middling moron type ideology. Like, choose a side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll always be on the left side, no matter how far I go left. <laughs> so, uh, I was asking earlier on Twitter, and I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I was asking people how they felt, what was wrong with the Green Party, why it wasn't sparking or you know, wasn't getting that attention that it should. And I was wondering, what would you change or what would you do different about the Green Party to be get, getting the younger generation involved into it, you know? So there's um, there's a, a, a faction of or a caucus um, of the Green Party, the YES. Um, they're the Young Eco-Socialists. 
and they're people that are under 35. Um, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm a member of the Arizona Youth Epa Socialist Caucus. Yay. <laughs> so I, I see that they're addressing, um, you know, all kinds of age groups already. You have a place to go. Um, one of our members coming in at the same time that I did, I mean, he was 17 and he was so brilliant, you know, and he actually did a whole bunch of stuff and, and he kind of had to leave so that he could uh, focus on getting into college. I was just, you know, so the young eco-socialists, I see a lot of hope in that particular caucus. And um, I think they're bringing it to uh, younger people in general. Um, the more that kids are learning from an early age about how severe our climate activity um, and climate change is going to affect them, the more open-minded they are to uh, different political spectrums too. I mean, it's just yeah. inevitable that they're going to be going and trying to play in a creek that has, you know, caution tape around it because it's boiling some kind of crap. And they say, why don't we just clean this up? And that's, you know, that starts a, uh, a snowball effect there. I've so. been up to Allegheny National Forest. I don't know if you've ever been, but I mean, some of it's leased off and you go in there and it smells like sulfur and everything just because they're, you know, drilling up there in the national forest. You know, I mean, that's something that we need to change and uh, something that hopefully the younger generation, Rob, I'm 36, so I can't be part of that now. <laughs> <laughs> I got five years left, man. We're not ageist here, but <laughs> I do have a comment to make about that. Mm -hmm. To the Gen X people and the tween Gen X and boomer people, please stop saying and thinking that the millennials, the centennials, the zennials above the millennials are going to fix stuff. We have to do things. We have to get involved. Tina is a prime example of doing something and getting involved. It is also up to us to help. We can't just rely on the younger generation to fix things for us. Gen X is a notorious stand and wait to be told what to do generation sometimes. And I mean that with all of the Ringo Starr peace and love that I can muster. <laughs> I like to say that Gen X is the greatest silence generation you know like it was just skipped over us <laughs> and we didn't really give a shit about it because better we off like, don't pay attention to me <laughs> yeah well i think that they, the whole boomer thing like they were so overwhelming and like they were like the first helicopter parents in a lot of ways they were but we were just trying to hide and maybe you know get to level two on mario that's the, I was very good at that, <laughs> you know, not Nintendo 64 or Pac-Man. Um, but, you know, we kind of just were pushed aside because then they stopped talking about Gen X altogether. They started talking about, you know, how millennials were ruining the world. Like they just skipped right. over blaming us. <laughs> right. Or yeah, after. Ruining the world. <laughs> oh, you Gen Xers listening 40, 50 and 60 years old in those bands get involved, get involved. And you don't have to be in charge of anything. Just show up and help. Right. I mean, there's people, yeah, you just do one thing a month. Like, I mean, there's a person that helps us with our newsletter 
And what he does is he does one little portion of the template and it's a crucial piece of something that is going out into public. And it, it, it just that one little thing, 10 minutes, maybe a month. And that's all the time he has for, you know, but it does contribute to the bigger picture. So it does. Thank you for indulging me on that. Definitely. I, I got a kind of a tough question. Okay. How do you feel about COVID? You've seen us, you were in here a little bit while we were talking about COVID, the vaccines and stuff. And how do you feel about all that? Getting vaccines, and dealing with the COVID. Yeah, I didn't understand. I mean, it was so politically charged. The people I thought that would be most cautious were the people that were yelling that it was oppressive. And it was so, because it was so political, like um, like early days of YouTube, they used to have the videos, the shit hits the fan kind of people, you know, and, you know, have their bunker. And those are the people that were yelling that you're oppressing my rights for putting a mask on, but yet they have, you know, a fallout shelter in their backyard. <laughs> like those people were, they, they would be the people I would think would be the most, um, you know, into preserving their own lives. But here we had such a, a, a flip around. And um, so in my area, fortunately, I think people just picked up on that. They were just scared. And I have not seen people that were unmasked just in my area very much. So we didn't have to deal with that. But in general, the economic side of it in Pennsylvania, I did watch a lot of people getting screwed over by unemployment, not even being able to get on, um, yeah. being turned away just for similar clerical errors or, you know, self-employed. I mean, how awful was that? I have a, a barber across the street from me. He wasn't able to open. He's got three kids. He's probably maybe 40, you know, and he is the main bread breadwinner there. So, I don't know. Um, he hasn't heard about the barber where I'm from? No, oh, what's that? Well, he was the one that opened up and told the governor uh. of Michigan <laughs> and basically started the entire movement of denial and uh, rebellion. And they went to Michigan State Capitol with guns, which kind of informed the behavior of the, of the January 6th activities, I believe. Mm -hmm. All of that anti-COVID sentiment was born a mile from my house and he opened up in defiance and they closed him down and he opened up again they closed him down they opened up again they closed him down and and he just said i'm not i don't care you know if i'm giving haircuts if you come in here and get a haircut and die then that's the governor's fault yeah i know a lot of people that lost uh their businesses because of that and when pennsylvania when we got the one stimulus where it small business could could apply for loans or grants in order to keep their business open they made it so hard for those businesses to actually get those loans i mean i think we had 180 million from that that actually went to the prison system to the correctional facilities right. and i mean how are you supposed to you know as a small business be able to finagle what lawyers you know what you should have lawyers for to apply for these grants or loans 
to be able to, you know, get that money that you're, you need to, you know, keep your family afloat. So I, I actually owned a few different business, uh, ideas. <laughs> I'm not a successful business owner by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, at the same time, I had a, a period of time where I was on the chamber of commerce, the board for that. So I was really surprised to see that they had gone full out like that. I, I guess I just always think that if we're in crisis, really good things are going to happen. And so they did go full out and, in these uh, small business loans. And I, I thought, oh my God, you know, like they're just taking advantage. They're, somebody's capitalizing off of a loan to keep a small business in business or, you know, sustained for a certain amount of time. It's just another disgusting policy. And you're right about the prison system. I actually read that too, is that the money that, you know, there was a short period of time where uh, businesses were supposed to apply and, um, if you didn't, then the money was going to get kicked back over to the prison system. Who thinks of this shit? I meant to, to elaborate on like, just from a small business uh, point of view, having business credit is something that's, that's difficult to maintain, to get and to also maintain. So, you know, it, it makes sense that many people that are just sole proprietors or in small businesses had, no way of being eligible to receive those loans yeah um, i mean they should they should definitely make it a lot easier to uh re, you know to apply for them and to be eligible for them but it seems like uh there's a lot of uh red tape that you have to go through and hoops you have to jump you know through to actually be eligible for that stuff Right. Well, that's why I thought it would be more productive and cover more people just to do a higher amount for UBI, you know, like to have larger stimulus for individuals because whatever they were going through as far as their employment or if they were, they owned a business or, you know, whatever was, um, you know, their way to provide for their family, they would have something more, you know, um, and to put them out as small business loans or grants that nobody could get. Just you know, another example of how they say that they are helping. Oh, look at my numbers! Look how much we put into this program, but nobody actually got it on the ground. You know, so. And I mean, they they give uh, cities and towns that money uh, for those small businesses, and a lot of these small businesses that I've talked to in my own town didn't know that the actual town got that money. Like these council, you know, meetings are like so private, like we just were discussing earlier that, you know, they, nobody knew and they don't make it uh, a public thing. It's not in the newspaper. It's not, you know, on the radio or anything. So that's all I got to say. about. That. Yeah. I think, I think that part of their job would have been to actually directly and let's say, you know, smaller areas, you know, the small businesses in your area, like my town should have gone to the barber and said, you know, we have these loans available that you might be eligible for. So, yeah, he was one of those that was opening at night, but I don't, I, he was for like family members and stuff like that. <laughs> I wasn't going to be an ass and report him. Um, yeah. You know, if he was doing more than that, then I probably would have had a problem with it. But yeah, I just... 
it's, I don't know, it's small town stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, but I, I, I'm in the middle there, you know, I'm in the middle of Walmart is allowed to be open, but then we got these small businesses that got closed down and Walmart yeah. basically took all this money. Like my local Walmart made an extra 30 million more than they usually make, you know? So, I mean, I am definitely anti-capitalism. You know, I, I think the means of the people or the means of everything should be given to the people. And uh, I mean, you look at Texas this year and what happened with them. And it just proves, you know, that that it would be better in the people's hands than in a private sector. So. Absolutely. Especially a state like Texas, it would be so easy and everyone would just be so much better off. I mean, it just makes sense to have our utilities, at least in Texas, to be owned by the people. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, do you, you don't think about it until there is a crisis, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though, I mean, Texas was part of the global change the global uh, I don't want to say warming because you know how people stereotype that but climate change so I mean it just it shows us that that's not the end of it and that's not where it's going to stop it's it's going to get worse and worse as long as we don't take it seriously which I don't believe Biden is uh, do you think I mean <laughs> <laughs> Biden will do whatever keeps his donors happy and yeah. rich yeah so if they can sell some merch that says we saved the planet then he's definitely going to be selling those t-shirts and coffee mugs and i can do they, much more than that they need to have uh we bomb syria merch. <laughs> oh man it's the, hey, it's the truth i mean they could uh mm -hmm. cut back for the stimulus but uh they could also bomb syria so yeah, I don't. I don't then, have. It's like you know, you were asking before about foreign entanglements, but that Syria situation is so obvious at this point. I mean, we knew that back, you know, first Desert Storm. It's all about yeah. oil. Yeah, it's. I'm about actually, I'm actually going through um, the process of listening to a podcast that is dedicated to analyzing everything from Saddam's rise to power through the first and second gulf wars and things like syria and iran and things like that and it's been really really eye-opening um on a lot of things well i mean but, yeah. we we do it for oil and poppy fields right john i mean um that that's not Syria. That's Afghanistan. That's well, yeah, I know, but I mean, that's why and, we're and and that's it's, why it's we're more, in the war there. It, it, it's more complicated than that. To um, well, cutting it down. Well, no, no, diluting it down. Um, diluting it down to simply poppy fields takes away a lot of a lot of other issues that we're over there for. There's also. Uh, precious metals in northern Afghanistan and e even simply mentioning the resources takes away from multitudes of other reasons that people found to go over there and let's not forget 
we we the four of us that are here i think dean stepped away but all of us in this chat were alive back oh no, then. i'm still here all, all of us were alive back then and september 12th 2001 pretty much everybody in the country the polls say three out of four citizens in the country supported going in there and, and and we like to forget that we like to forget that i get it i'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing it's just a thing but a lot of us supported going in there and i i i was you know in 12th grade then so a yeah, lot I'm of not saying had to do with how the media covered it, especially yeah. with Iraq more so than Afghanistan. But yeah, the media kind of forgot about Afghanistan very early on in that war. I know Bernie didn't. Exactly where I was confused about it was that they went from one position on who had done it to a totally different position, and I was just yeah, yeah, and that was that was because that was because. From what it looks like from my perspective, it was because of the, the civilian leadership at the time, um, the Bush administration in particular. If they had simply trusted the American public enough to put the actual information out there and be like, listen, this is why we want to go in there. We want to go in there to stabilize the region because Iran's becoming a problem and, and mm -hmm. Saddam's a genuinely bad guy. I, I feel like things would be different nowadays. They didn't do that. They played it off like he helped out fucking Osama bin Laden when he, I mean, at most, maybe well, that, funneled money for him, but so did the Saudi Arabians, so. Sure. Well, we didn't I just, invade Saudi Arabia. I just kept thinking that, you know, like, because uh, that was kind of, you know, I graduated high school in 93, so it was kind of my time back then, and listening to like uh, Jelly Biafra from Dead Kennedys did a whole album, spoken word stuff about, uh, you know, die for oil sucker and George Bush senior, you know, he was in there. I just felt like it was a legacy thing. Like, Oh, I got to go and, and fuck up the Gulf too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that, <laughs> really blind what, that, what? <laughs> and that, that totally, the, the potential is there for it to have been partially a legacy thing, too. I'm not denying that at all. Mm. I'm not denying that at all. Um, I don't think Bush Jr. would really deny that at all at this point. I mean, he's been spending his time painting pictures of all the guys that we lost in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's a that's such a trippy thing. I mean, yeah, it really, really is. is. It really oh, is. Yeah. And it it. I don't know. I always kind of suspected that Cheney was more pulling the strings well, there. And I think it was his dad. The face. I think his dad yeah. was pulling the strings yeah. through Cheney. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, I mean, that's why they tried to get Jeb in there, too. They tried to get Jeb elected in 2016. Yeah. Could you imagine the fucking hellscape we would have if we had Jeb Bush? <laughs> I mean, I don't think Hillary would have done any better either. So no, no, God, no, no, but. I voted for Gary Johnson that election. <laughs> I voted for Bernie. <laughs> I voted for Bernie in the primaries. Well, guys, I, I voted for Hillary. 
I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. We live in America. It's fine. I wasn't trying to say anything about that. Uh, you know what? My mom, she told me before even that year, like 2016, she's like, Tina, please, I just want a woman to be president before I die. I mean, how do you say no to that? And and of course, I was still on the mission for two parties, so Jill Stein wasn't a consideration. I did that one for my mom. Uh, I'll get Sammy slide that. <laughs> that's that's fine. We're not here to judge anybody on who they voted. No, but she is a freaking nightmare because I mean, <laughs> not my mom. <laughs> no, I, 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 believe, I was hoping you bet Hillary. <laughs> no, but um, the minute like you know, just when they got into office, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, all I remember hearing about was I think it was Whitewater and like all of the shady shit that was going on well before she was even thinking of really running into politics like she could not be trusted from way back then and yeah. so I, I don't know like what well, a fortune the first person she worked on their campaign work for was a, a racist republican so i mean how can right. you you know i mean that's what i i, I remember hearing correct me if i'm wrong uh i think all of you are wrong what are you talking about you're not even oh. here. I am. I'm Gold always water? here. Yeah. Goldwater. No, Goldwater was the Republican I'm talking about. It was Goldwater. Oh. Uh, he he was a, a, a racist Republican. Oh yeah, well, Goldwater was definitely that. Yeah. I just uh, I didn't I, I remember seeing a picture of him. Um, I'm just trying to use my memory there, but okay, Is that, that makes. You talking about? No. Yeah. What are you talking about then? I'm talking about that that Hillary, ladies and gentlemen, when what she evolved into was a concerted effort, was a 30-year-plus effort of disinformation and smear and hatred from the right, and it worked because she failed. She was she was a poison pill long before she ever even became senator of New York. Yeah, that's what I was. I remember from the early 90s of that. Like, I knew that was just going to keep following the Clintons in general. And, you know, then, of course, Bill Clinton didn't help. And that was that was a very interesting cultural movement. You know, that and Anita Hill all happening in the 90s. That's correct. You know, well, let's be clear. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that she was the most qualified candidate and that she was destined to be president and she was robbed as a Wesleyan uh, aristocrat, etc. I'm here to tell you that she wasn't good enough to overcome the 30 year schmear campaign that screwed her into the ground. Ultimately, her failure is her fault. I think, well, I think that she did it somewhat herself too for the choice. Oh, yeah, she did because she was essentially an, she's like an Aspie almost. I don't think she understands what it's like to function as a human being in a skin well, suit, like Trisha would say. I think that she, <laughs> I think that she, I think she has no idea how to conduct herself. I'm not here to, I'm not going to shame the way she looked physically or the, the weird clothes well, she wore or anything like that. I'm just saying she doesn't know how to, she's like, you know, SpongeBob when Plankton was inside SpongeBob and driving him, and you know, yeah. that's somebody was in her brain driving her and trying to figure out how to operate this 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 meat machine. I, I mean, I thought it was more of a you know Hillary 
actually supposing to be in Bill's. Like, Bill was a dumbass. Bill had all the swagger, though. Everybody loved him, and he had that capability more so than anyone wants to admit, probably more than any person in human history in a public office. He could go into the room and be whatever that room needed to be. He had that charisma. It was undeniable. And Hillary was a gifted technocrat, probably one of the best that we've ever seen. Is that, um, you know, that uh, choosing personalities over the people behind them, like Hillary definitely was in his ear on everything. And that's what's kind of bad. Sure. Too. I mean, we used to, they, they used to call her, Rush Limbaugh used to call her Billary among them. That was the, that was the kindest thing I think he ever called her, but I'm not trying to tell you that she was, was done dirty. I'm not trying, that's politics. I'm trying, I'm not trying to tell you that she was, she was wronged. I'm trying to tell you that she was wronged and she wasn't able to overcome it. Not like Obama think, was. Well, I think that in 2016, she, uh, when she started attacking her people, too, started attacking Bernie Sanders' people. Oh, she attacked. I a, think, she she ran a racist campaign. She ran a. She basically ran Trump's campaign from 2016. Well, yeah. All right. And I, I mean, I think that's what ruined her. So, with, uh, uh, Bernie Bros and stuff like that. But go ahead, Rob. I was just gonna say, um, we can probably, you know, work on. Uh, wrapping this up, we've been at it for over two hours now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I unmuted. I unmuted myself to call out Dean on misquoting SpongeBob lore, but I don't think that it's important anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't uh, inside him. He was. He was in the house, and there was a there was a walkie-talkie inside of him. I think you're thinking of a different what? moment. There uh, was one where he like put the the thing in the brain and was like. Oh, that was Plankton. Yeah. Man. But That's here, what he said, Plankton. Yeah, see. Oh, I thought he said Patrick. See, the VA <laughs> tells me I'm not losing hearing, but clearly. Let's <laughs> <laughs> start with a P. We're good. So you mentioned earlier that you had an article uh, that was going to be released soon. Where will that be found? So um, I know on Twitter... I'll be sending that out, but also um, our our Green Party uh, newsletter will be uh, putting it out as a press release. So that goes to hundreds of different uh, local presses to try to pick up to get, you know, our stuff published. So once in a while it hits, <laughs> you know, it's hard too. It's just like any other writer. If you would like, uh, if you would like us to host it, I mean, we do have a website. We do have yeah. a forum. Yeah, I'll send it. I'll send it to you guys. You can take it. A, take a look at it. That'd be very cool. Oh yeah. Um, do you have Do you have anything else you want to plug, like a campaign website or your Twitter? No, but you know what? If you guys, if you are interested in the Green Party, um, and like I said before about reaching out to your state, uh, but you can start at the GPUS. Uh, .org site, um, and that's gp.org, um, to find out what's going on in your area. Because even if you're not um, going to get that involved, uh, looking into the people that are running in those offices, it, it would be really important to you know, give people a chance on that. Appreciate that. <laughs> that's it. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank, Thank you for, for coming on here. Yeah. All right. Bye. Meet everyone too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.
Well, that All was right. fun. That was yes. fun. Indeed. Indeed it was. Deedly do. I guess with that, it's time to say our goodbyes. That's correct. Like and subscribe. Any any closing statements? One. I only have one. Um, uh, Get the vaccine, guys. Stop at nothing until you've accomplished an appointment. Stop at nothing until you've accomplished, if needed, that second appointment. Hopefully your uh, region, your locale schedules the if it's a two shot, you get the second appointment. If not, uh, stop at nothing to get that vaccine. And the other thing I would like to do is uh, thank Austin for finding her and uh, bringing her on. We had a gubernatorial candidate on our show, guys. That's kind of a major milestone. This is a, that is a pretty big deal. It was a pretty yeah, good deal. And it was and it was like <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> well, absolutely. She Joy, found... Joyful, even. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And I appreciate you guys for, for, for setting that up. She found me, so I want, you know, Tina Olson, thank you. We appreciate you. So thank you for coming on. You know, that means that means that the work we're, we're doing here is actually reaching people if she found us. Yeah, well, I yeah, I put it out on Twitter. I, I work for you guys twenty four seven. You know that. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't assume that anybody works for us. I assume I, we all I kind do. of collectively work for ourselves. No, I work, <laughs> I, I work for for we are many. So and we okay. are for we are many. So that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, uh, thank you, we, Emily and James, for saying it's been a great show. I'm glad that you guys you know hang out with us every time. I'm excited yeah, that you. we we might have more candidates, you know, from the Green Party lined up to uh, have interviews. Absolutely, uh, I would be really interested in getting to meet some of the uh, the federal candidates. Hey Don Landis Howie, and your Patreon Land- numbers will blow up. Landis Howie. Yep. I don't have that kind of pull, man. All you gotta Austin, do is ask. Landis out. I, I will Landis try. Number. Actually, <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I guess we can cut the stream first, but I actually. No, no, let's that. say our goodbyes to our viewers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. And don't forget to follow us, Robbie, of the please. social media page. I can do that, yeah. Could you please? Thank you. Um, don't forget to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. Which really helps us a lot, guys, if you subscribe on YouTube. Are we on TikTok too now? TikTok. Not streaming, but we are. No, but TikTok, we yeah. we have. I mean, I always put stuff up for us too. I thought you're the chairman of the TikTok campaign, so. Rob is. Rob ha- is the TikTok guy. I just I run my own. Dude, TikTok. you're the one that uses it, so you know how to. You know what you're doing. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, shit. <laughs> well, let me end that of the TikTok. <laughs> All right. No problems. So, uh, yep. These are where we can be found. If you're listening to us now, you found us at least by one of these pathways. Please go seek us out and find the others. It does help us a great, great deal. If you follow yeah. us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Natalie said she missed about the first 40 minutes. If you want, if you want to wait till you're on your way to work tomorrow, it'll be on Spotify tomorrow. Yes, it will. It'll be on all podcast networks that. That, that distribute podcasts. In fact, Google, Apple. 
Spotify. If you're listening to it, give it to a friend to listen to too and tell them to give it to their friend. <laughs> yeah. Give Ladies us a thumbs up on it. iTunes. It'll help increase our reach. It does. It really helps a lot, guys. It really does. And and we're grateful for your support. And and if in you know, in lieu of a monetary contribution, in lieu of you know, give us giving us a, a little bit of a shout out on Patreon, at least uh, commit to that. And and for those of you that have done that, thank you. And and I suppose that concludes the auto fellatio segment of our program. <laughs> Have a great night.